This penultimate injection is the last stepping stone towards true enlightenment that brings full appreciation of the interactive meaning. And I must caution you that the following final injection into your subconscious may disturb you at first, lest you are already well on your path to enlightenment. And welcome to another episode of Square Ways FM. Today is episode number 59. Um, um, I'm your host, Bianca, and the co-host is Brian. Hi. And um, if you hear chirping, it's because we're babysitting a couple of budgies this weekend. Yeah, we got a full house this week, don't we? We're babysitting Bianca's dad's two budgies for the weekend. So we might have the most chirping we've had in some time, which mm-hmm. is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, any uh, pre-show stuff do you want to do first before we move on to our topic? Oh, do I? Do we? Yeah, we got all kinds of stuff. Um, all right. First of all, we have a couple of tweets from uh, trolls. Hello, trolls. More than a couple. We have a trio of trolls treats. <laughs> tweets. Treats. I guess they're also treats. Yeah. If you consider them treats. <laughs> Um, the first tweet says, oh, this is in response to our episode uh, with Akago. Hello, Akago. Um, about uh, cheats. Troll troll cheat tweets. A trio of troll treat. Well, fuck it. He <laughs> says, trainers were immensely commonplace in cracked Commodore 64 games. Almost every game came with a trainer that had started boot up. That's neat. I didn't know if it was almost every game. I, I, I don't really remember whether I saw that kind of stuff. I would often see that in some older MS-DOS cracked games. You would have something built in. It would say, like, press scroll lock to, for infinite lives or uh, press insert for infinite ammo, something like that. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh, and he uh, clarifies that. Usually the good old infinite lives, infinite ammo variety. So, sorry to steal your thunder there, trolls. <laughs> he also says... Space Quest 4 and Space Quest 5 had debug modes, but only in the beta version. Space Quest 6 had a debug mode in the final version, though. So um, I believe debug mode is not only skipping to any level, but it's also used to spawn any inventory item at any time. Probably a few other things as well, maybe to make certain conditions true, like whether or not you've uh, gotten past a certain point in the story, something like that, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least it would be good if you stupidly forgot one of your items, or was, or were the Space Quest games uh, not infamous for uh, Walking Dead mode, or type scenarios, where you uh, could progress mm. without having uh, the item you needed. There is... Probably my most prominent thought when I think of Walking Dead is from Space Quest Four. At least it's pretty short term, but and it's an annoying one too. I thought it added nothing. Uh, right in the beginning of Space Quest Four, you um, there's a, you, you like climb out of a sewer and you're spying on this spaceship kind of a thing that you need to sneak onto after some guards go away. So. Um, You get out of uh, the sewer, and there's this destroyed old uh, battle tank next to you with a big hole blown into it. You can reach your hand into the battle tank and take out this explosive ordnance. And 
if you, maybe I'm getting my order wrong. I think this is the way it goes. If you climb onto the spaceship with the explosive ordinance in your pocket, then it explodes and you die. What you're supposed to do, at least for extra points, is take the explosive ordinance out of the tank and then put it right back in again because it's a stupid thing to have it with you. That's the stupidest crap I've ever heard. Yeah, it is pretty stupid. I thought that was poor game design. Like, whatever. That's That uh, does not really add much. That's just trying to kill you and trying to make you learn from from mistakes that don't even feel like mistakes. It's, it's, it's like, it's couldn't they have just uh, had Tech the Puppet saying, why the fuck are you trying to do that? Leave yeah, it alone, you idiot. Pretty much. I mean, the Space Quest series isn't shy about killing you in terrible ways, but that one in particular, to pick something up and the correct thing to do is to put it right back where you found it without it changing anything. I don't really agree with that mm -hmm. as a design. Uh, that sounds thing. like really poor design. Yeah, whatever. It was. It's. It is at least consistent with Space Quest in that it's another way for you to explode yourself. your uh, worthless hiney. Yeah, hiney. 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 <laughs> Can we get the birds to say hiney? No, we're not getting the birds to say hiney. Oh shucks. Uh, what a busy. Okay. <laughs> Anything else from uh, our from uh, Space Ditch Dude? Yes, lots <laughs> lots else. So much else from our Space Ditch Dude. But we'll get to that after the other stuff. We have a voluminous long voicemail from Mr. Ditch. But uh, we'll uh, check that out right before our topic. Um, I finished the book Sex, Lies, and Cartoon Violence by Russ Pitts. I did enjoy it a lot. The first half of the book I found much more interesting than the second half. The first book is when he's a, a full-time journalist who gets to travel to E3 and to different events and talks about different interviews he's had and stuff and his little misadventures he's had traveling to exotic places and meeting weird people and getting into peculiar situations. That was all fascinating. The second half of the book is more about when he becomes uh, like a manager and an executive sort of um, – editor-in-chief of various websites and publications, I found that a lot less interesting. And it becomes very toot-your-own-horny. <laughs> that came out wrong. Toot-your-own-horny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I try to do that whenever possible. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's kind of He kind of comes off as a braggart for the whole second half of the book. But I still enjoyed the book overall. It was like seven bucks or something. It was well worth the money spent and the time spent. I'm glad I read it. It was interesting. Lots of inside information about uh, about the publishing industry and about uh, game reviewing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, if you're interested in uh, game journalism, it's uh, a, an interesting read. Just one thing, I, the two things I didn't appreciate about the book were, number one, how much bragging and self-promotion there is, and number two, it's not shy to kind of dish out uh, gossip about specific people that he names. I could have done without uh, that, too. I found it kind of in bad taste, but whatever. Okay, okay next. Um, there was a cool thing that happened right after we recorded our last podcast. You'll remember this, Bianca. We saw a game on the front page of Steam called <laughs> oh, yes, Watch Paint Dry. Oh, that looks so stupid. What the fuck? It did look stupid. It looked like it was like a visual novel made in Renpai or something like that, where you like literally watch. It's like a, it's a photograph of a wall. I don't think there was any animation or anything. A wall with like a ladder and like a bucket of paint. And the game was called Watch Paint Dry. So that game was gone the next day. Apparently... Uh, the guy who got it on there, he found some exploit in Steam where you could, like, modify query strings in the web calls and stuff like that to, uh, what did he do exactly? 
I, I linked to an article in the show notes anyway so that you can read it in better detail than I can recall. I read it a few days ago. But set up you. Basically, um, he found a listing. He like applied to have a game listed on Green on uh, Greenlight or something or on the Steam store. Mm-hmm. Then he found another page. Or what do you do? There's like a unique identifier for every game, a numeric unique identifier. That makes sense. That way, when you buy it, it uh, associate that with your uh, purchase. Yeah, exactly. Every product on a on a e-commerce site usually has a unique identifier. So. Um, he just changed – he was poking around in the settings and he changed the unique identifier on one of the pages. Or for, The first thing he did was like there's a page you can view to see whether your game is listed on Steam, something like that. Um, and so he uh, took the query string. He took the URL from that uh, page and he changed in this query string the uh, identifier code from his numbers game to another game, another game's number. That had been published. It was like a Valve game. He just changed his number like 14,005 or something. He changed it to number one, which is Half-Life 2. And so then it tricked Steam into thinking that, yes, your game is indeed published on Steam. So it bypassed all the checks and balances and he got a game not only on Steam but on the very front page of the store without uh, Valve even knowing. So that's a pretty major vulnerability that could have been exploited much worse. To Valve's credit, they fixed it, I think, the day later. Maybe two days later, they did take his game down right away. But that was a fun little hack, fun little vulnerability exploit. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he had brought it to Valve's attention prior, and they didn't close it. So when you're a gray hat hacker, that's what you do. You embarrass them. And if you're a black hat hacker, you cause them mischief that costs them a lot of money. Yeah, and you like, don't even tell them. But if you're white hat, you don't uh, ex- you exploit it, but you don't publish your exploits. You uh, keep it private. Yeah. That's right. So he gave him a chance. They didn't act on it fast enough for his liking, so he exploited it, and uh, it was pretty amusing. And so he has a great article on Gamma Sutra that goes into some of the technical details with screenshots and stuff like that. It was a very interesting read. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that he published that that detail. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious about uh, that kind of thing. I mean, every site has its exploits. I'm sure that if you uh, dug around enough, if you were smart, you could find vulnerabilities on any uh, government website. Oh, of course. I'm sure you're right. They will pretend they don't exist, but we, all, but everyone knows that they do. You just have to know where to look and uh, how to play around with it. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, when you're a developer, you do what you can to avoid any obvious exploits, but there, Steam must be like hundreds of thousands of lines of code, I'm sure. It's hard to harden all of that against the creativity of uh, millions of users. Mm-hmm. So they do what they can. Yep. Steam hasn't been without its faults. They had uh, – it was in their uh, in their winter sale. They had some kind of like a cash – a caching Oh, I remember problem this. Where they were showing other people's – people each other's information. My Steam store turned into Polish for a while. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. There they doesn't seem to have been too much backlash about that, surprisingly. But uh, – it wasn't because, because of tampering. It was just a, a some kind of a caching error. Yeah, that, I mean, they caught it right away. That's probably why there was very little backlash. I guess so. Some people did see other people's address, home address and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty major. But we haven't heard about that for a while. Mm-hmm. Never forget, people. <laughs> um, so also speaking of Steam, it's this has been in the news lately that Windows 10 64-bit is now the most popular operating system on Steam. Oh, let me pull out those numbers. I had that in front of me a second ago. Um, oh, you're not just going to pull them out of your ass? No, I, I actually <laughs> do my 
I mean, screw you, pal. <laughs> I actually do my research. Oh, uh, you do your research instead of... Uh, and then I write down the Cole's notes, and then I close the tab. And then you regret it immediately. Yeah, or eventually. Uh, where do I even find that stuff anymore? No, 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 no. Don't ask me. You're the one who brought it up. Dang it. About Steam? <laughs> I never remember where you checked this crap. <laughs> well, we're on the topic of... Uh, gray hat and white hat. Yesterday, mm. while we were uh, picking up a couple of cups of coffee at a uh, coffee store, like uh, DeMello uh, Paletto or something. Can't remember the exact name. Some some Spanish shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing coffee. Yeah. Brian managed to find himself in a conversation with the barista about white hat hacking and uh, denial of service, reflective denial of service attacks. Oh yeah, because he asked us. He was just making conversation, asking, uh, asking, uh, do we have any plans for the weekend? So we said we're recording a podcast. So uh, we got into conversation about podcasts and games and stuff like that. And he he made some kind of a comment about scripting and kind of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink thing. So it sounds like sounds like this barista was like a gray hat hacker himself. He was talking about uh, quote unquote skitties. Which I took to mean script kitties, which are like not very experienced hackers that use other people's tools instead of doing their own research. It's a derogatory term, but it's what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. So that was a fun little conversation. It took us into all kinds of strange places. We talked about game cheats like we did last last week. Yeah. Yep. With Akago, hi Akago. Started, hi Akago. We already said hi to Akago. Well, okay. you did. I didn't. Excuse me. So he started talking about assembler code and freezing memory values and stuff like that. It's not exactly the kind of conversation you expect to have with a barista, but that was not unwelcome. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Birdies, are you podcasting with us, birdies? Eh? Uh, Joey is, and uh, and Joey's guests have decided to chime in as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so anyway, back to my thing. Yep. So I was surprised about the OS statistics. Windows 10 64-bit. of Steam users are using that. That's a lot. Uh, The next up is Windows 7 64-bit, 33%. So Windows 10 is is already 4% higher than Windows... Windows 10 is 4% higher than Windows 7 for 64-bit, which is really something. Um, If you add Windows 7 64 and 32-bit OS uh, numbers, they're still a little bit higher than uh, Windows 10 64 Uh, and 32-bit. Interestingly, there's way more 32-bit Windows 7 out there than there is Windows 10. Looks like 32-bit is starting to go away, I guess. Um, What surprised me, let me go back to my notes, was that only 3.3% of Steam users use OS X. I thought it would be a lot more, (laughs) considering the number of games that you're starting to see for OS X. Oh my gosh, birds! (laughs) What do you expect? One's a boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a male boy? budgies are yappy little brats. Yes, they are. So, yeah, considering the number of games that are compatible with OS X, I thought the number of people using it would have been much higher. But no, only 3.3% of users are using OS X on Steam. And Linux is 0.8%, which seems about what I would have expected, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that means that a good like 96% of uh, Steam users are using Windows. So that's a higher proportion than I had expected. Mm-hmm. What are you amused about? Oh, bird? No, I'm just amused at uh, your uh, Xbox controller problems. Ugh. So thank you, Bianca, for reminding me about this. Um, was it last week or two weeks ago I was complaining about DOSBox not letting me type? Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. You fixed it. 
and then you manage to recreate your problem again and whine about it. <laughs> sort of. So um, I forgot about that. Just as a recap, with DOSBox, my keyboard wasn't responding whatsoever. And so I looked at the – I ran – instead of running the no console version of DOSBox as I usually do, I ran the one with a console and I looked at the last successful um, execution uh, items before it froze. So the last thing that it did was um, try to initialize the joystick. So I tried unplugging my Xbox One gamepad, and then I was able to type all right. So that seemed pretty peculiar to me, but uh, at least I knew what to do. So I was able to disable the joystick in uh, DOSBox, and that uh, allowed me to uh, use DOSBox without having to unplug the gamepad. Um, so I didn't think anything of it again, and then two weeks later, I tried to run ZSNES, which is the most popular Super Nintendo emulator, and there was no mouse cursor, and I could not use the keyboard, which was really weird. So I couldn't move the mouse, I couldn't click, and I couldn't choose anything with the keyboard. I had to just Alt F4 to close it from the OS side. Oh, birds. <laughs> so that seemed peculiar to me, too. Um, then... I bought a game on Steam, which I will talk very briefly about in the What We Played section, called Starport Gemini 2. It's this, like, space combat and trading kind of a game. Um, and oddly, it had a mouse cursor, but clicking didn't do anything. And the keyboard wasn't responding at all, but the gamepad was responding. Very, very strange. So, thank goodness, Bianca reminded me about the issues I was having with my gamepad a couple of weeks prior. And I did a little bit of research on it. And it turns out that there is some kind of a bug with the Windows 10 driver for the Xbox One controller, which is pretty lame, Microsoft. However, they did recognize that bug early on, apparently, and there is a working fix in the latest Insider build of Windows 10. So they're going to push that out as soon as possible, I guess. There is a fix, at least, which I found. If you downgrade your X input driver to a previous older version then everything works, uh, mouse, keyboard, and gamepad, including in DOSBox and ZSNES and in Starport Gemini 2. So I was happy about that anyway. So it took me a while to research the problem because I didn't know whether it was an OS-level problem or just something to do with the games themselves. So I've got a link to that information in the show notes in case you have an Xbox One controller with Windows 10 and you run into the same issue as me. Uh, finally, I'm very excited to say that Quantum Break is coming out on Tuesday, April the 5th. Hooray! That's the next game by Remedy from Finland. I love Remedy's games so much. They made Max Payne and Alan Wake. Those are all games that I absolutely love like crazy and have played over and over and over. Um, so it's a major deal for me when one of their games comes out. I will most certainly be buying that on opening day. Interestingly... Uh, Quantum Break is coming out only on the Windows 10 app store, if that's what you call it, the Windows 10 store. So it won't be on Steam, at least initially. It won't be on any other store. I don't even know if it's going to be... I'm sure it'll probably be in retail, actually, but I don't know if that requires Windows 10. But the downloadable version does require Windows 10, so we'll see how that goes, how that works for them. I guess right off the bat, that disqualifies a little under two-thirds of all Steam gamers. So, it's peculiar. Um, Remedy have had close partnerships with Microsoft ever since the Xbox 360. Uh, Remedy had this uh, really stupid, infamous comment that Alan Wake was best played on a couch. 
I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean. They made fun of that statement themselves in an Easter egg in the PC version of Alan Wake, which was really weird. So that's just some marketing baloney that they had some kind of a timed exclusive with Xbox 360. So once again, they have a Windows 10 exclusive with Microsoft. I don't know why Remedy is so chummy with Microsoft. I can't imagine it does much for their sales. <laughs> but I'm very most certainly... Ah, <laughs> I'm going bird crazy here. I'm most certainly going to be buying that on opening day. I can't wait to play it. The interesting technological thing about uh, Quantum Break is that it's going to be, like, instead of cutscenes or in addition to cutscenes, it's going to have these, like, full episodes of a show or something like that. These, like, 20-minute long episodes, I think, that are live action. I don't really know how that's going to work. So apparently you can either download those episodes to your hard drive or you can stream them Netflix style. That's very interesting. <laughs> so I'll try streaming them and see how it looks. And if it looks like the uh, visual quality is... Compromise, then I guess I'll download it. But I think it's in like the dozens of gigabytes size. But whatever, I'll, I'll do it. That yes. is so ridiculous that they would have you not. Why not just have like regular cutscenes? Why have you sit through twenty minutes of uh, some bullshit? Well, maybe it's not some bullshit. Um, Remedy has a lead writer by the name of Sam Lake, or at least I, I forget what his name is in Finnish. But the Finnish, his last name is a Finnish word for lake. So. Um, I love his writing. He's very funny. I find him very, very funny and engaging. I love his characters and his sense of humor. So, assuming he wrote, or at least oversaw, these live-action episodes, I'm very happy to have them there. It's just kind of peculiar in terms of uh, replayability. Because his other games had cutscenes, but never more than a couple of minutes or so. So we'll see how this goes. But I will speak in some detail about it next week. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, why don't we go ahead... <laughs> Birds! <laughs> My God. Why don't we go ahead and play this grand freaking epic by our very most dearest of friends, Mr. Trolls. So he's going to talk about cheats. We'll split this in half as per his recommendation. Uh, take it away, Trolls. Hi, Squares. It's the Space Quest Historian, and I heard you guys were talking about cheat codes this episode, so of course I had to chime in. I mean, strap yourselves in, because uh, um, I love cheat codes. I love playing games with cheat codes because I'm terrible at games. I'm really, really awful at games, especially games that require, you know, quick reflexes and such. I'm absolutely shit at them. So uh, whenever I was playing, like, old Apogee platformers or when I was playing um, uh, action games of the general sort and uh, early 3D shooters of the Rise of the Triad, Duke Nukem, Doom kind of thing, I would always enable cheat codes uh, whenever I was playing alone because, uh, you know, I have no spine and no motor skills to, uh, you know, beat these games fair and square. And also I just love, uh, you know, making myself a god and just traipsing all through the uh, uh, game and just annihilating everyone in my path. I mean, this this went all the way up to the first time I played Grand Theft Auto 3. I would just enable cheats and, uh, you know, give myself invulnerability and all the weapons and just climb on top of a skyscraper and start picking people off until the fucking military came after me with helicopters and shit. Tons of fun. I love cheat codes. So... I am just going to rattle off a quick list, har har, of my two favorite games with cheat codes. Uh, and, and I've picked these games because they have the most awesome cheat codes in the world. And they are Rise of the Triad and Carmageddon. Uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, Rise of the Triad has some of the most hilarious 
cheat codes because uh, you know the game is is just it's just over the top bananas insane and I love it like every other weapon is a missile weapon practically most of the weapons are missile weapons actually you got you got like a starting pistol you can have two pistols you can have a machine gun they all have unlimited ammo and then you pick up all these uh, weird ass missile weapons on the side and um, you know so there's a lot of you know uh, blood shooting everywhere and explosions going on and uh, and the and the game just has a a ton of fun with itself. You can tell the game is just about having as much fun killing people as possible. So the cheat codes reflect this very, very much. Um, during the game, if you type in dipstick, that activates the cheat mode. Uh, now, dip apparently stands for Developers of Incredible Power, which is Tom Hall and the guys uh, who were doing uh, Rise of the Triad. They only made one game as the Developers of Incredible Power. What the hell a dipstick is, I'm not really sure. It sounds like an insult, but anyway, uh, second language and all that. And with the cheat mode enabled, you can enable um, all sorts of, you know, standard cheats. You can uh, get invincibility and you can restart the level, go to level select and um, all of this stuff. Um, but you can also do some pretty interesting things uh, just messing around with um, with the game mechanics itself. Like if you type in got a 386, it'll turn off the ceiling and floor textures. <laughs> you know, uh, referencing that you need a fast machine to render the floor and ceiling textures. And if you type in got a 486, it'll turn them back on. Um, if you type in woof, it enables dog mode, so you shrink down to half size. This is also a power-up in the game, though, but you shrink down to half size and you can bite people and bark them to death. Um, you can also enable god mode, which, uh, again, is a power-up, but it, um, you know, takes your gun away and replaces it with this, this hand of god that you can use to smite people. Um, there's a fly mode, there's an infinite fly mode, one that doesn't, you know, count down, so you can just fly all over the map. Um, and then there's, uh, two of my favorites, which is, um, if you type in, I'm looking at the, uh, uh the list here, um, if you type in slash EKG, you have to do a backslash and then type in EKG, it enables Git mode. And Git mode is a ton of fun because, you know, when you're, you're playing the game normally and you shoot a missile into someone and they explode in a rain of blood and it goes ludicrous gibbs, it seems to be happening, it, it seems to happen quite randomly in the game. I'm not sure how you actually, you know, pull off a ludicrous gibbs every time. I don't think it can be done. I think it's quite random. But if you enable um, ultraviolet mode, as it's called here, or gib mode, it'll happen every single time you shoot a missile at somebody. They'll just explode in a hail of blood. Tons of fun. Um, my other favorite is... Let's see what it's called here. Um, missile cam view. If you type in ride, R-I-D-E, during the game, it enables missile cam, which means when you fire a missile, instead of it just you know flying off in the distance and you stay in the uh, uh, player's perspective, a uh, camera will attach itself to the missile and actually fly off into the distance, which is a ton of fun if you're using the drunk missiles, because <laughs> those things just fly everywhere. Um, and, of course, you can, like, turn off fog and light diminishing, and you can enable auto-run. And, and um, there's, a, there's a cheat code called Panic, which just restore yourself to normal. I, I guess that just means turn off any power-up you have enabled. I don't know. Oh, and, and the last one is, if you type in Maestro, it enables the game jukebox. So you can put on any song uh, on the soundtrack that you like, which is good, because Lee Jackson's original soundtrack for Rise of the Triad is one of my favorite all-time soundtracks. It's really, really good. Although I'm pretty sure most people just play the fish polka whenever they can. All right, moving swiftly on uh, to Carmageddon. Now, 
even greater cheats than Rise of the Triad. I mean, Rise of the Triad have some fun cheat codes, and the fun with the cheat codes in Rise of the Triad is that not only uh, are they fun to play with, but you know, the things you have to type in are fun. Like drunk missile gun, you have to type in booze. If you want a flame wall gun, you type in bones and such. Carmageddon goes one step further. Again, you have to um, you have to type things in while you're playing the game, like on the keyboard. It doesn't give you a prompt or anything. It just, uh, it, the only way you know that it works is if it actually happens. Um, with Carmageddon, you have a ton of uh, power-ups in the game that you can enable via uh, cheat mode. And, uh, you know, the power-ups themselves are funny as hell. you got the Electro Bastard Ray, like uh, lightning bolts just shoot out of your car as you're driving down the road and just, you know, demolishes any um, uh, pedestrians that might be on your way. You've got bouncy, bouncy mode, which just, you know, makes you bounce all over the um, uh, floors and ceilings and whatever. Um, but the things you have to type in are just phenomenal. Uh, like if you want, um, if you want blind pedestrians so that they don't, uh, you know, they don't uh, see you coming, so you can just ram them if they're in a large group, you can just, although they can't hear you, but eh. uh, if you want that, type in hamster sex. Yeah, like sex with a hamster, like a tiny rodent, hamster sex. Um, if you want giant pedestrians, so they grow into twice their size, makes them easier to hit, you type in small udders. <laughs> Where do they come up? These, these are British people. If you want pedestrians glued to the ground so that they can't run away, physically can't run away, you type in spam, 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 spam. Four times. Okay. Um, <laughs> and one of my favorites is the Acme Damage Magnifier. So that when you ram other cars, they just basically instantly crumble. Like, you, you just do a ton. It's like quad damage for Carmageddon. Sorry, I'm just pausing you here. Trolls, you're supposed to be the guy to put these birds to sleep. What the hell have you been... Have you been drinking know. caffeine or something? Oh. oh, they're going bonkers. Anyway, back to the voicemail. Jeez, birds, shut up. <laughs> if you want that, type in, we hate Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Love this stuff. I'm looking at the list here. There's a okay, what the hell? Mega Turbo is soapy titwanks. <laughs> uh, jelly suspension is by our next game. <laughs> what the hell? These are. I, I think these people are very drunk when they did this. Um, if you want frozen cops so they don't you know chase you all around, you type in spam fritters. They have some things. They have things for spam here. Um, I have some spam. We'll give you lunar gravity. Oh, and if you want the timer to freeze, which is very, very useful, because, you know, especially if you're playing on hard mode, you type in sex with fish. <laughs> okay. Uh, but that's not all. I mean, you can type in all of this stuff during the game and fun will happen. But there's also an extra special cheat mode in Carmageddon, which lets you fiddle with the actual game uh, mechanics itself. And uh, Bianca's going to get a kick out of this. To enable uh, this extra special cheat mode, you have to type in, I bet you can't print cunt. This will enable the special cheat mode. And with the special cheat, it's called edit mode. Uh, with edit mode enabled, you can uh, access a uh, you know shortcut cheat mode. So you just hit um, the F keys to enable various you know invulnerability and uh, all of this stuff. Um, and there's an uh, there's an options mode where you can go in and change uh, the uh, um, the details on the cars. You can change the uh, sound effects on and off. You can uh, toggle smoke on and off, which apparently crashes the game. Uh, shadows and uh, did I say wall textures? Yeah, wall textures. Whatever. Um, 
if you go into uh, cheat mode, you can instantly repair your car. You can, uh, you know, change the uh, lap timer. Just give yourselves extra seconds, and uh, and you can cycle through the external views of all the cars uh, on the race, which is interesting because Carmageddon works in a really weird way. When uh, you're driving around the uh, the track, only the cars that are close to you are actually driving. Uh, if you if you like uh, pull up the map, you'll see all the uh, all the cars driving around the uh, circuit, but they're not actually moving in game. Uh, because the levels are huge, and back then, you know, it was a it was a bitch to uh, you know get uh, everyone synced up, even in a single player uh, mode. I mean, it was a bitch to just get the cars to all you know uh, handle independently of each other. So only the cars that are close to the player actually move around on the track, and uh, this is why you also see them like teleport around the level when you uh, go in and out of the map screen. Uh, but for, uh, somehow you can uh, just uh, you know switch to an external view of uh, the other cars on the race. So yeah, fun. Fun though it is. Uh, lastly, in Carmageddon, uh, you can also because all the um, all the game, uh, what do you might call it, all the uh, you know little fiddly bits are actually stored in uh, text files inside Carmageddon's uh, um, uh, game folder. <laughs> I speak a language good. Hashtag second language. Um, these are uh, encrypted when you start out, um, but if you type in during the game, I want to fiddle. Then you can go in and uh, open it, it decrypts these text uh, uh, files that are in the game folder so you can go in and fiddle around with them and I have no idea what that should uh, actually do um, it just you know I'm, I'm clicking data files here uh, some of the it controls some of the game's aspects and depending on the game you can edit the app uh, it, it's a it's a wiki for all the different Carmageddon games but you can change a whole part of the game's behavior oh so I I bet this has something to do with like setting gravity and uh, collision and all of this stuff, uh, and also <laughs> the names of the opponents. Nice. Um, so there's so basically, Carmageddon is hugely customizable, just out of the box. You can just sit there and it, if if you like have played too much Carmageddon and you finished all the levels and you can like complete the game blindfolded. It's not over. There's a ton of fun you can have with just fiddling around with the game mechanics, and it does this. I mean. Uh, even though Carmageddon had a, a very active modding community, you could just sit there uh, on your own and just have tons of fun just playing around with the game mechanics. I don't know. I'm excited about stuff like that. I know some people don't give an absolute crap about it. Um, but, you know, now I just now I feel like going in and playing Carmageddon with Lunar Gravity Enable or some shit and just plow every room. Okay, I'm just going to go do that, actually. Uh, so, um, yeah. You guys have fun and uh, keep squaring. And I uh, wonder how long this call is. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Oh, 12 minutes. Ah, it's not even my longest one. Har, har. Maybe I should just uh, read some Shakespeare for you. What? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go now. Um, catch you on the flip side. Keep squaring. Whatever. Uh, see you guys. Phew, dude. That was long and he even brags about it. Dude. Well, he actually tweeted us. One hour ago, if you haven't recorded your episode yet, please extend my apologies to your listeners for my overlong voicemails. So he sent that an hour ago, but we had actually started playing the voicemail before that, so his timing is perfect. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your voicemail, trolls. But dude, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, 
Huh? Ancient Chico's retirement again. That oh, was yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah, they are. All about running over pedestrians. Oh, that whole game is about running over pedestrians. I'm sure you've seen me play Carmageddon yeah. before. That game is so funny. It's, like, super gory, and it was so gory that it was it had to be censored in Germany, who has always had very strange censorship laws. True. Um, they changed all of the live uh, pedestrians into robots. <laughs> that, that bleed uh, motor oil. That's weird. It was really weird. They've done. They've had to do that a lot in Germany, changing people into zombies and stuff like that for really violent games. Yeah, and and yet I imagine these are the same people who don't change any of the sex scenes. Yeah, probably time, not. Yeah, I mean, if you look, for example, at Fahrenheit. Ugh. Bard. Yeah, Fahrenheit had the uh, more sexy stuff in the European version than. The American version? They the American came. version had, ooh, kissing and some petty petting. That was it. Yeah. Well, the European one had... Interactive it, sexy. Press up to thrust. I don't think it even had that, did it? Was it yeah. interactive? Oh, yeah. I, there I was like that. one interactive and one not interactive. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you did the one with Tyler, it was interactive. Ah. Well, I just remember uh, the American version, you wear a swimsuit in the shower. Yeah, because, oh, no, we don't want to look, look at body parts. They're all natural. Ooh, side boob is wrong. <laughs> and, uh, Charles, uh, you didn't do your job, man. You, uh, you got the boy all riled up. Oh, my gosh. These budgies are going fucking apeshit. <laughs> oh, now you're quiet, huh? <sighs> now they're quiet. Well, these, these birds love cheat codes. What can I say? <laughs> okay. So, thank you, Trolls. Sincerely, thank you very much. We love to hear from you. We really do. All right. Uh, what what have you played this week, my darling? Um, I didn't really play that much. I didn't really play much this week. Um, really played just a bit on my phone. And oh, do tell. What did you play on your phone this week? Well, once we figured out how to get the stupid shit to work and uh, Nintendo stopped being dickholes about rooted phones, we played. I played as well as you did. Mitomo. Mitomo. M I I T O M O. For those who uh, haven't looked at the show notes yet. Uh yeah. Why would they? Yeah. Because Are we, we putting this in the show notes? Whatever. Go look for it on your on your app store if you if you so desire. What is Mito Mitomo? It's based. It's another social app. It's a social app, but uh, it's Nintendo's first app, and it lets you create a me. Which is an avatar representation. Which is not. Which is uh, your avatar. You uh, exist in this little stupid world, and uh, you uh, form connections with your friends, and you uh, learn more about your friends, and you answer questions about yourself. Yes. And you get money for, and you get like virtual awesome coin money. Yes, it's like a very shallow social network where you can buy clothes, basically, and answer questions and comment on other people's questions that they've answered. Mm-hmm. It's kind of dumb. I don't know if it'll hold our interest for long, but it's cute. It's super cute. We played it a bunch these past couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had an error on launch in uh, on Android, at least. I think on iPhone, too, where if your phone was rooted... I thought you couldn't root an iPhone. Yeah, you can. You can so-called jailbreak it, mm. which is a term I love, because if you have to jailbreak it, then what's, what product are you buying? Jail. Anyway, um... You, um, it would, if it detected that you had a rooted phone, it would just crash right at launch. So, um, they got slaughtered with reviews on the Android store. Oh, I know. I was amazed at how many people had rooted phones. I didn't think it was that, uh, that popular of an option. I know, like over 3,000. No, at one point it was like 4,000 reviews. It got up to about 10,000. 
reviews of people who are pissed off. 10,000 or so out of like a total 30,000 reviews for people saying they're angry that it didn't work on rooted phones. Oh. Bird. Gee, shut Ooh. up. Son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently my my dad has to turn off, has to turn down the music when the uh, they get like this because they get rowdy with noise. Oh, goody. All right, well. We'll have to keep the volume down a bit. Sure, let's get through this. Okay. The other thing is, for some reason, uh, when you're running Mitomo, it doesn't like Firefox. So uh, if you have Firefox on your phone like I did, you have to make sure you also have Chrome and uh, turn off Firefox as your default. Yeah, there's something to do with authenticating you on Google or something. If you want to log in, then it's screwed up if Chrome isn't your default browser. So it's clearly Nintendo's first app because it had some issues with like uh, cross-platform compatibility and stuff like that. It's pretty good for a first app, I guess. It's just shallow, but it's cute. Uh, if uh, you follow us on Twitter, I am at Demodulated. And you are? Max Bird. No, you're on Twitter. Oh, at Maximum underscore Bird. Yeah, so you're welcome to... If you if you follow us on Twitter and you log into Twitter on Mitomo, then uh, you can add us as friends. Yeah. I believe uh, we've already had Darth come, is uh, one of the people we've added. Yeah. We also have Joe from Upper Memory Block. And Kelsey. And Kelsey as well. Hello, all of you fine folks, former yeah. former guests of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Log so, in so you can find out all you want to know about Brian and uh, various things such as... Uh, I'm so interesting. Oh, yeah. you. Like how, how he loves sneaking up on himself with a paper bag. No, erotic crustacean photography. <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. So for the for the day, I, I was looking forward to trying this on the day it came out, and I couldn't. So I downloaded a, an Android emulator by American Megatrends. It's called AmiDuos. I think it's only for Windows, but it lets you run Android OS on your Windows desktop and play games on there, and it runs very nicely. It went pretty nicely. It definitely feels like an emulator, since it didn't seem to pull well on my on the memory and uh, rack react quickly. It, it didn't, what do you mean? Well, when I ran Mitomo, it seemed to load everything very slowly, like it like it was emulating a phone rather than uh, on a rather than being snappy like it was on a computer. Oh, it is emulating a phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was hoping it would emulate a very fast phone, but it, alas, it just emulates a shitty phone. Oh, it goes as fast as it can. I think it's because you're using an AMD CPU. And I'm using Intel. I don't know about... I mean, AMD does have, like, virtualization extensions or whatever to make virtual machines run faster. It's like, lets you use the real CPU instead of the virtualized CPU. But my, my, my CPU is just faster than yours. Yours has more cores, but mine's faster. Yeah, but I think it's just this particular app I found it... I found that other stuff... Is What's MD? a virtual machine? Yeah, no. I found that other apps are virtual, will virtualize more quickly oh, yeah? than, this, than Mitomo. Maybe games in general. I don't know. Could very well be. Mm-hmm. So it's cute. Try it out, I guess. It's free, whatever. Yeah. And, and But if you do do it, make sure you uh, have you your phone. <laughs> if you do use it, <laughs> use your phone to, ha- to uh, create your uh, me. That way you can see uh, what oh, Nintendo yeah. thinks you look like. That's right. Oh, do you want to Do you want to say what you mean by that? What you do, well, when you create an avatar, you have the option to create from scratch or to use your camera and it can make an approximation based on the images it takes of your face. Which is really cool. So it's a nice way to get a quick, a quick whatever, a quick mock-up of what you look like. So it like looks at all of the different uh, body parts, like the mouth and eyes and ears and hair and stuff like that. And then it matches whatever's closest to the photograph that you've taken. 
which is really neat. It's actually, it's not photographs, it's stills of a video. So it like makes a new mock-up every two seconds or something while you point it continuously at your face. Mm -hmm. And you choose the one that you like. That's really neat. Mm -hmm. It is pretty cute. It's a cute game. I'll give them that. All right, what else you play this week? Well, we played some more Diablo 3. Season uh, 5 is coming to an end soon. And alas, I don't think I'm going to get my uh, portrait because the stupid dungeon I need to do requires me to keep uh, one of my attacks up and I don't have enough spirit to do it continuously. Yeah, those set dungeons are super hard, huh? I don't think I'm going to do it either. It's just frustratingly hard. I'm trying to get the item I need, but I need this rare legendary belt in order to do it. I don't think you need it. It just makes it easier. Um... It's in, it's so punishingly difficult that you need this belt. From what I've read, it sounds like it's impossible without the item. Yeah, mine's very difficult as well. So of I don't. Of course, the I, other thing I'll is, bother. I could get a different set because there are multiple. There's different dungeon sets that you can get. Yeah, we have to collect all the set pieces. You have to collect every all six pieces, mm -hmm. and there's no guarantee that will be any easier once you have those. That's very true. But I have uh, three pieces of another set so far. Why don't we dial it back a little and say what these set dungeons are? So first, or even before that, so they, there's this like seasonal achievement. We've talked before about Diablo seasons, where every for a few months or so, you can make a new Diablo character, and you don't have access to any of your gear or bonuses or anything like that. It's like you make a new character in a vacuum, um, and you have a limited amount of time to earn all of the seasonal achievements to get a special, uh, a special like meta achievement and a special character portrait. So we did it last season. It wasn't very hard. It just took some time. There's one milestone that's really, really hard this season, which is to complete something new, which is called a set dungeon. So a set is like a set of six or more uh, pieces of gear, like a costume. And when you have two and then four and then six pieces of the gear from that set, you get these set bonuses. So... The pieces of gear themselves are valuable and have good effects on them, but if you have multiples of the same set on, then you get another bonus effect. And then you get like a super powerful bonus effect if you have all six pieces, or at least six pieces of that set. So um, they, uh, Blizzard created a set dungeon for each of the many, many sets uh, that they've created, which forces you to like master those super uh, meta bonuses that you get from having all those pieces of gear on at the same time. So it's really bloody hard, and I don't think I care enough. So that's all I have to say about that. What else did you play this week, babe? Mm, nothing else, really. Um, I played some more of uh, Walking Dead Michonne's. Uh, oh, yeah. You didn't finish that second episode, No, I haven't finished you? the second episode yet, but it's really good. That. It's good. I just didn't uh, have an opportunity to finish it in one sitting. But I am at the I'm at I am at a reasonable save point, so hmm. that's good. Is that is that uh, little mini series Michonne doing anything that the other ones haven't? Is there anything unique about it? Well, it is expanding on the character of Michonne, who actually does appear in the regular uh, Walking Dead show on uh, AMC. So yeah, she's and, in the comics first. Yeah, true. And unlike the other, unlike the first two seasons of the uh, Telltale games, this one actually expands on an existing character. Because the show itself doesn't provide much in the way of her background, whereas this is going into her background pre-governor uh, slash uh, Rick. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, that's right, because they just kind of stumble upon her no. when she joins their party. No, she comes the upon the prison one day, and uh, she's and after she uh, sees two people being, uh, seeing three people being abducted by uh, 
um, Myrtle or uh, Meryl or whatever the fuck Daryl's brother is. Some douchebag who loses one hand. That's all I remember. Okay. And uh, so she comes across this uh, basket that gets left behind after two of them are abducted. Summarize. <laughs> and then she goes to the prison. And so you don't really know much about her before then. So so she stumbles upon them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what we were looking for. Not your life story. Anyway. It's not my life story, bitch. Anyway. Terp. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right. They did announce um, Walking Dead Season 3. Which will continue the story of Clementine. Oh, yay. That'll be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that. I, I did enjoy the other ones. I'll let, uh, we'll buy it for you. We'll let you play it, okay? Yay. I'll watch you play, because I'm enjoying doing that. Just this will be shown one. Myself, I'm finding nothing's really happening that, that didn't happen before. Like, people are jerks. People are always jerks. Yeah, but that's that's as much as I really got out of this little mini series so far. But uh-huh. we haven't even finished the second of three episodes, so maybe something will happen. But it is elaborating on her backstory, which is what I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Good. All right, well, what I've been playing a little bit because it was on sale is Starport Gemini 2, which is kind of like an elite Eve uh, freelancer kind of a... A game where um, you pilot a ship in the third person, a uh, spaceship, and you have to trade and do missions for assassinations and bounty hunting and stuff like that. And there's factions and there's cargo and buy low, sell high, and all that kind of stuff. I played a bunch of games like that already. This one I'm just getting started in, but it's it looks nice and it's in widescreen. It's modern. It seems pretty cool, and it was on sale for like 85% off or 75% off this weekend. I paid 10 bucks for the game and its expansions, so I'll give it a try. I'm having a pretty good time with it so far. I only played it for about half an hour because of my difficulties with the keyboard and the mouse, like I mentioned before, so I'm looking forward to putting a little bit of time into that. Uh, and we did the Adventure Capitalist St. Patrick's Day event, which was a good time. Yep, and we both finished. We got our rewards and badges. Yes, we did. Nice way to kill a couple of minutes uh, and uh, murdering your fingers with a lot of clicking. Yeah, there was a lot of clicking. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's a, an oddly compelling game. Yes, it is. Whew, so, finally, on to our topic. Finally. We were going to talk about this the last time Trolls was on, but uh, the Space Quest historian did an amazing job of stalling for time. Well, it's sort of your doing. True, but you're... But then Why he, is it sort of your doing? Well, we were going to, well, he originally asked us to continue one other topic, and you're like, I don't want to do the topic. I got nothing on it. Well, that was it. Trolls wanted to talk more about games that we had designed but had never bothered making, but I think I kind of, I think that well ran dry for me in our last discussion. I haven't designed a whole ton of games like he has. And, not, and like, when I say he's designed games, he's designed games. He has, like, design docs fleshed out and stuff like that. Very professional and impressive, as a matter of fact. So he would have, he, he, he would have been the one talking. Believe that or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't believe it. Oh, gee, I do. Right. So Bianca pitched another, pitched, sort of, imposed another topic. I asked him. He felt it, he didn't feel like he had as much to contribute. True. Although what happened was, I asked him, do you have any idea, any other suggestions? Because Brian's not feeling this one. So in the end, we came up with a whole episode of blithering rather than talking about a topic. So like without further ado, here's our topic. Lessons we've learned... Real-life lessons you derive from video games. Yeah. So why don't you take us in? Oh, oh, me? Well, before we do that, how about we read 
one from Ancon. Yay, hi Anton. He said, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm kind of scratching my head remembering what I wrote a couple of weeks ago. It feels like a million years ago I've had such a busy few weeks. Anton says, not every game has this. Loom, for example. But off the top of my head, I'd say one lesson pounded into us is you will die. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cheery one. It is cheery. Yeah. So th this is very true. And this is something that we're... I mean, we, we usually play games where you could, like, restore if you made a choice that you didn't like. But now you and I have been playing a whole bunch of Binding of Isaac. Yeah, Binding and of Isaac. And Walking Dead is another example of a game where you make a choice and you have to commit to it. You can't really go back. You, you make a choice and you live with it. Yep, any of the Telltale games. Well, the, the newer ones, anyway. True, not, and, not the most, the uh, and most visual novels. Or anything where you yeah. really make a choice that defines uh, the order of the, defines the upcoming events based on your choices. I'm getting ready to cover these birds. Good luck, Jeffrey. Uh, good luck with that. Why? I don't think it'll work. Come here, Joey. Oh, what a pretty Joey. Hi, Joey. Yeah. Hey, we forgot to mention, by the way, that Joey's a girl. Yep. We got the DNA test. Girl. Come here, baby. Come here, gorgeous. <laughs> Hello, Joey. Joey, guess what? You're a girl. You have anything to say to that? Joey? Nope. Nope. Doesn't have anything to say, but it's going to come over and bite me for a while. Oh, there we go. Yay. So, why don't we... So, you said Binding of Isaac and Permanent Consequences of Your Choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I personally think that that's an important and valid gameplay mechanic. Mm -hmm. Forcing you to choose something and then forcing you to live with that choice. And why not? That's how life is. Why, why shouldn't games emulate that? I feel like there's no real urgency or permanency or commitments to the universe that you're participating in if you can just rewind your choices and and redo it i think that's uh boring i think that's played out it reminds you that you're using software that you're not actually inhabiting a world that's very true yeah <laughs> all right we got chirping from all around the place let's just yeah. get through this <laughs> okay oh there was one i wanted to mention yes, it's um, based on um christine loves games Oh yeah, hate, a digital, what is it? Hate and analog and hate story. Yeah, and uh, hate plus. Yes, I know. Squawk. Oh Ugh. my gosh, birds. <laughs> Chill. Okay, so one thing that you know about this game is that there are two uh, AIs that you interact with, and both of them ask you as the first thing when they first meet you is what your gender is, and this ultimately determines how they interact with you. So, which is, uh, which kind of reinforces how life is because someone may uh, interact with you very differently online if they don't know what your gender is versus what they see as soon as they meet you in real life. Mm -hmm. Like, you may, some people are very good about treating others as, as uh, equals and gender being just uh, some background noise, but there are people who will immediately treat you differently depending on whether you're male or female. And I think this game makes a good point of uh, highlighting that. Yeah, that's right. Well, that because game is a lot about, like, despicable people with very strong prejudices, isn't it? Yes, it is. For example, Mute will treat you differently if you're, it will, will revere you when you're a man and give you some sort of, give you, like, this, an, this an odd respect. Whereas if you're a woman, she treats you as an equal to her, but at the same time expects you to uh, 
act in a very certain way, and if you don't conform to those standards, she is uh, repulsed by you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that definitely reinforces that the whole expectations and stereotypes you find in real life. Mm-hmm. And I know we're trying to move away from it, but at the same time, there are people with those values permanently entrenched. Yeah, that's right. Well, I think it's important if you're trying to get away from some ugly facet of humanity, represent it in art and make people face-to-face with it. Mm-hmm. And force people to interact with that and to live with the consequences of their choices mm-hmm. based on those predispositions. Because then you want, because you don't want this, because I found that I'm like, I don't want her to react like this. So I was careful about what I was saying, mm-hmm. which was interesting because when you want people to treat you a certain way, you're, you're, you find yourself stopping and think, oh, wait, do I want to say that? No, I don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I think it's a very old fashioned and boring way to play a game to save scum something. You're, you know you're going to be faced with an important choice, so you save your game, you make the choice. You're like, I don't like that. And you restore your game, you make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Then you say, oh, I guess the other way was better. So you restore your game and make the first choice again. Yeah. That's very boring, in my, if you ask me. Yes, it is. All right. Um, you want So that was in response to – that's great. That was in response to Anton's tweet. Thank you, Anton. That was a really thought-provoking one in the end. Um, do you want to give us one of your examples and then I'll do one? Um, okay, let's see. Unless, oh, where is it? Oh, this one is kind of more, get your freaking palate out of my ear. This one's more <laughs> tongue-in-cheek and not really, um, I wouldn't consider, you know, like an actual serious life lesson. But, um, I kind of just, I put this on for fun. It's never trust, never trust a Russian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what does this have to do with anything? Well, every game that you, that you, I ever play, with Russian, they always are the bad guys. It's like mm-hmm. you can't trust a Russian. No matter you know, even if they're on your side, you can't trust a Russian. Well, Call of Duty has Ugh. oh, that. <laughs> Call of Duty has both good and bad Russians. Do you like me? Oh. It's on your chair. Don't move. I'm not moving. Sorry, we have dumb bird syndrome. Okay, it was on the. Way to go, stupid. <laughs> so Call of Duty has both good and bad Russians. Mm-hmm. And Walking Dead had the uh, one Russian guy who uh, turned out to be a scumbag who had the ambush set up. Oh, that was I liked that scenario actually. I don't want to give spoilers or anything, but that was kind of a very morally ambiguous situation to begin with. It was like a series of morally ambiguous situations, and you don't know whether to distrust or empathize with this Russian character. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. And it's not to take away from your point, because you can't trust this person because of all of this yeah. ambiguity. Mm-hmm. That was that was a great scenario in the second season of uh, Walking Dead game. Yeah, that, that, that second season was really good because it was all about um, ambiguity around trust issues. Like, Because no one was really morally superior. Nobody was really immoral. It was all a lot of amorality. These people were all immorally... Uh, neutral we're all morally neutral in some way because they all had their own motivations mm-hmm. which is true to real life because no one is truly moral or truly immoral because even if you're the big the biggest baddest fucktard there is you're still going to have some ounce of humanity to you even if uh, people even history doesn't write it that way sure because every person has their own uh, ha- will have some principles or some values that they hold true that aren't repulsive, even if the majority of what they do is repulsive. Mm-hmm. Or even the megalomaniacal characters believe that they're doing 
something good. Mm -hmm. The most boring characters are the ones who are just... Ah! The most boring, like, antagonists are the ones who know they're evil and are doing it because evil is great. They and conversely, the uh, Mary Sue and Gary Stu types. Like, the absolutely... Oh, this is a trope from fan fiction, but it trans but it can occur in regular in uh, fiction as well. These are... Gary Stu and Mary Sue are the absolute epitome of perfection. These are morally upright citizens. They can't do anything wrong. They're always they're exceedingly humble, but they always are perfect in every way. Like, there's never a hair out of place. Goody two-shoes. Exactly. Like, they're good two-shoes to the point of being nauseating. Mm-hmm. Like, so one-dimensional perfect. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the other flip side to the evil maniacal. I'm doing this because I can. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the interesting characters are flawed and... And, you, and they're morally ambiguous. Yeah, I guess so. Or they at least their morals, they believe that they are morally correct, even if it's debatable whether that's true. Yeah, exactly. so I guess that's what you mean. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a good one. All right, what do I have here? Oh, this is one, this is one that uh, I learned that I think uh, is a product of patience and maturity, and that is... That tiny increments are important. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I've learned from like massively multiplayer games, and from RPGs, and even from these new stupid clicker games like uh, Adventure Capitalist. Yeah. Um, getting a small percentage or a small increment or a small multiplier or something can have these like wide-reaching effects if you give it time. Or for example, um, uh, getting experience points or whatever, you know, they're just like small steps on a journey that you're going to be taking anyway. So little things like that are important. That's something that, uh, yeah, I try to, uh, I try to remember and remind myself of, <laughs> myself of in general in life. You're distracted. What's going on? Try you're distracting me. Sorry. Trying to shut them up. Leave it to me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, now I don't remember what I was saying. So you go. You're talking about small increments in games and the, and how uh, those... Well, I know, but I don't have anything else to say about it now. So you know it's your turn. Well, I can elaborate on this. Oh, please. Milestones in quests. Like, if you have, like, the legendary quest, for example, in World of Warcraft. Mile, I, they're infuriating and obnoxious, but every month, but... I'll never be impatient enough for that. Do you want to give some context? Don't you impatient enough for that? <laughs> yeah, do you want to give some context about what's in a legendary quest? Okay. So... In World of Warcraft, this is a more recent thing for the legend, like an like a legendary quest available to all classes. Because, for example, in Burning Crusade, it was um, just for rogues, and in Wrath, there was one for um, the for warrior and death warrior, death knight, and paladin. But uh, so, starting in, um, I believe it was Pandaria, there were these things called legendary quests, which. You had to go through dungeons, uh, raids, going through the world, looking for certain items, and then having to come back with these uh, these uh, these items of incremental power and giving them to the uh, person who would ultimately reward you with a uh, really powerful ring, or in the case of um, Warlords of Draenor, a... Uh, it was a power... No, yeah, this was... It was a ring for Warlords of Draenor and a cape in uh, Mr. Pandaria. <laughs> so, so what do you have to do to earn it? So you ha the idea is that you want to get this mystical item. It's got, like, some super great power that will make everything worthwhile. 
And it is like the best item you can get for that whole expansion pack, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you cannot be, and it's like impossible to replace until you're like well into the next expansion and you've got already, and you're, and you're wearing purple items in the next expansion. Yes. So basically this item has one really big superpower and it's a... Um, what do you have to do to get it? Okay, <laughs> get you it. have to um, do a series of quests. And they, they incur, and every quest has is broken. So every quest is a chapter, and those chapters are broken down into increments. And every uh, step of the way, you have to uh, pick up and acquire uh, items of power. And they eventually, they keep they culminate into uh, one chapter. And then once you've done that, then you go on to the next chapter, and eventually you get to the end. But you have to do. But it's all broken down into these little small steps, which seem impossible until you get to the very end and you realize that you've actually done it. That's right. So about how long does it take between getting it initially and completing it ultimately? Well, if you're doing it consistently every week, yes, um, it takes about a month or so of uh, dedication. Well, and that's assuming everything has been locked unlocked. That's assuming everything's un. So if, let's say from the beginning of expansion to actually obtaining the ultimate goal, how long does it take? Uh, three or four months. Um, More than that. That's 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 if they've uh, could they they're pretty frequent with releasing the uh, the patches to uh, introduce the new incremental items. Oh, why can you get the full legendary now? Oh, you've been able to get the full legendary for like four months now. Oh, I didn't realize. So three or four months, huh? Yeah. That's a lot of friggin' work. Yes, it is. It's a lot of work, and it's but it's very rewarding when you finally get to it. And when you realize that it's in your grasp. You realize it just those increments all suddenly add up, and it just feels immensely rewarding to know that you've done it. Mm-hmm. But starting out, it's your your atlas with this huge fucking boulder, and you're looking up, and the mountain, the top of the mountains, in the is is in the clouds. Atlas with a big boulder. <laughs> that was a mixed metaphor that got lost on me, <laughs> but I think I know what you mean. <laughs> atlas. Anyway, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's more than I've ever been willing to do. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, to go on what you were saying about small increments is that real is like everything in life can be made made into increments. For example, my dad loves telling me about how when he has to do chores, when he was uh, trying to get rid of, uh, he's like, I can't do it all in one day. I just break it up into uh, smaller segments, and then eventually I go crazy and I just do everything at once. <laughs> Sorry, I'll tell you again. He. He'll look at what? <laughs> he'll look at a bunch of chores he has to do. Realize he doesn't want to do them, but he he'll divide them into smaller increments, and wind up doing it all at once anyways because it's not his. It comes across as being uh, m- more manageable. I've tried it, and I still hate chores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's right though. There's no big problems; just little tasks that get you to your goal. Yeah, that's something I do with work too. Well, I, I work I work uh, closely with the project management office, and so that's uh, kind of their philosophy as well. Is that a project is like some gigantic undertaking where you have to get from here to there, but you break that up into milestones, and you break that up into tasks, and you assign different people, and you say exactly what tasks do people have to do, mm-hmm. and then what tasks depend on other tasks, and it's just a very logical, ordered, reasonable, and achievable list of uh, accomplishments that you have to complete. Yeah, it's like putting together your computer. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't just put them, you can't just put everything in the case. You have to start with the uh, foundation of the screws. Yeah, that's right. Or even just troubleshooting. Mm-hmm. You might have a big problem, but it might, it's probably just a result of one little thing. You have to be methodical. 
Yep, you have one add-on that's not worked that's causing you all these other problems. So you disable all the add-ons, and then you go through one by one, and you uh, test the, and you enable them one by one to see where the uh, source is, mm-hmm. or if it's a combination of problems. Mm-hmm. So what else have we got on here? Your turn. Again? Wasn't that my turn? We're talking about incremental things. Okay, true. Well, time management, like, like efficiency and interdependency of uh, getting tasks done. For example, the Diner Dash games mm-hmm. would be a good example of time management. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Diner Dash or those sorts of time management games, your objective is to uh, serve as many people as you can their meals in the, in, a, in, a, in the most efficient manner so you can accumulate bonuses while not losing customers. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, everyone... Ha- all, unfortunately, you do have to deal with timers and and people's different levels of patience and how quickly they move. So this means that you have to figure out the best way to manage the amount of time you're given based on the amount of time allotted to deal with uh, the different types of uh, customers generated by the AI. Yeah. Which is close to real life because you may have... Uh, a bunch of a couple of projects you might have a couple of tasks to do and uh, one person needs it now someone else needs it in two days and someone else hasn't even figured out where their ass is and but wants something done anyways but so you have lots of time to deal with them later you have someone else who's in the is in the is some is somewhere not like right now but in the near future and in the immediate present yes Oh, that was well said. Yeah, so it's all about the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of a thing. Whatever mm-hmm. you have to prioritize, we also want to accomplish X amount of things before you're out of time. Resource management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time is just one resource, I guess, but uh, time management in particular yeah, is something and, uh, that applies some to everyone. Cases, trying to do two things at the same time because the other the other thing about these games is you chain combos so you want to bring out like four dishes you want to bring out two dishes at once and to put them both down Mm -hmm. so you want to time it so that you can finish both projects in the allotted amount of time so you can uh, accommodate two different types of clients without and and maximizing your uh, current resources Mm -hmm. so let's say you want to you have to rent a space or a certain piece of equipment to do something Mm-hmm. But you know that one person has more time than the other, so you have to figure out how what the best use of your time with this your bit the limited amount of time you have with this piece of equipment to accomplish as many uh, um as okay lawnmower we're renting a lawnmower we have five lawn to five lawn to mow in a certain amount of time how many lawns can we get mowed and uh, can we accommodate all the uh, clients who need it lawn, mow, mowed right now. How big the lines are, etc. Mm-hmm. Mo. Mo. <laughs> so what else have we got? Anything good? Um. Some of these I don't remember why I wrote them. <laughs> well, actually, my dad mentioned one thing that he learned with, that uh, you can really you derive from all games, and that is um, a matter of uh, perseverance and persistence in getting toward getting to your goal. Mm-hmm. For example, you. This is not necess- doesn't translate into like a, a real world representation. You know, dying a million times in the game and coming back. Mm-hmm. But you die and then you come back and you keep trying to get to your goal. Is what you derive from that. Oh sure, I read once. I wish I had this article still. That um, 
manage that uh, people who are hiring for jobs often like people who play video games, at least like younger people who are hiring for jobs like people who are playing video games because they tend to be optimistic. Like when they're faced with a problem to be solved, they believe that there is an achievable solution. Even if the first three solutions don't work, there is an answer. You just have to keep looking. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this point is closed. It doesn't work, but it's on the right track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. Yeah, and then the other one is teamwork. For get, uh, You derive from MMOs and other co-op games. Oh, yeah. So I don't know how many of our listeners like multiplayer games. You and I don't tend to like multiplayer games. We do like co-op games. Mm-hmm. And, like, even World of Warcraft, we've done our fair share of raids and stuff where you must depend on a team of many people and some people are better than others and some people are leaders and some people act like leaders even though their advice isn't the best and some people have talent and some people need to be compensated for uh but what everybody needs is patience and perseverance and respect Mm-hmm. Not all, and not everyone's a leader but some people know how to but they know how to play on a team and they know how to contribute to a team mm-hmm so these are lessons that uh, are very well learned mm-hmm. in multiplayer games, I find. Yeah, because even if a person's not a leader, as long as they can follow and they can contribute to a team, they're just as they're they're actually more valuable than someone who can who wants to also be a leader. It's better than ha- it's better to have a bunch of people following one leader than to have a bunch of people who say I'm the leader and try and go in their own direction. Yeah, you need consensus. You need consensus and. Sometimes you need to say, okay, you will lead, we will follow, and but, and but we might have our own suggestion that we would like you to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, because a good leader will listen, and a good team will listen. Mm. Very true. Um, oh, one, one that I like that uh, we learn, I've learned from Telltale Games, as well as the awesome psychological experiment game, Facade. And that is that saying nothing is a viable option. So sometimes just kind of being perceived as a good listener is enough to defuse a situation or that sometimes that's the right thing to do. Sometimes a person that you're talking to is in a state where anything you say is going to be wrong, is going to precipitate a situation and make it more volatile. So sometimes the best thing to do is just to zip your lip and listen. Just nod and go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, active like, listening. Like give like make my like make a sound that's that that like acknowledges that you're still listening. Mm. <laughs> hey, that's good enough. You're listening, you mood. Yes. <laughs> of course that doesn't always work if you if the person you're talking to or listening to demands an answer or doesn't want it or wants you to give feedback. Yeah, yeah. But you but you don't feel the situation warrants it. If they're asking you what you want to order for dinner, don't move at your waitress. <laughs> True, but I'm talking more like you think it's just an appropriate situation to listen. Yeah. But they're like, why aren't you saying anything? Yeah, that's right. So you don't have to feel like you have a solution mm-hmm. necessarily. Sometimes just being there and listening is the best thing that you can do. That's a rare thing that you get faced with in video games. So that's why I guess I found it so impactful when those few games gave you that option. Because sometimes the rewards are bigger for not intervening directly. Yep, and sometimes you learn uh, something more if you don't say anything. Yeah, exactly. Or your opinion may actually be solicited in a game like that. It's like, oh, you haven't said anything. What do you? Come on, tell me what you think. And then you, uh, are, when you're invited, then maybe 
you can make a difference when you say something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Let's see. This is kind of a stupid oh. one that I put down, and uh, but um, yes. unless blocked by an invisible wall or locked door, you can go anywhere and touch everything. It's true you can. Doesn't mean you should. Yeah, right. But don't go. I, I probably shouldn't be going into the ladies' room and touching everything. <laughs> what do you mean by this one? Well, let's say you got to. You're trying to find your way. Uh, a new city but you're like and you see uh, two roads both of them well lit and someone says you should only go this way not that way or like you no, you're looking at GPS and no 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 not, not that example you look at your GPS and you can see that both roads are you got like three routes that you can take that just that just because the GPS is telling you one way doesn't mean you have to take that way you can not uh, you can take the detour and uh, see take this and uh, see the uh other route that that was available to you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not making much sense. You're kind of losing me. I'm kind of losing myself too. You can go anywhere or touch anything, unless blocked by an invisible wall. Okay, well I sort of see what you mean in, in games. Mm. There's there's ways to apply this to real life. I'm just kind of struggling to think of anything. It's been too long since we wrote these, I guess. Yeah. I guess you could apply it to, you know, wanting uh, to uh, ambitions, like to have an ambition. Oh, sure. What do you mean by that? I can think of something, but you go ahead. Okay. At the end of high school, you have, unless you've uh, limited yourself by not taking the uh, right credits, you can pretty much apply to any university or college you want try and try and get all the bursaries and scholarships you want. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the high school teaches you that school is not for you and you want to just jump right into a Working. trade, which is, a, which is a, an option too. Mm -hmm. And that uh, just because someone tells you one thing doesn't mean that that's your only option. Mm -hmm. they, they can tell you that, but there's no invisible wall stopping you from uh, going elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Like they tell you, no, you can't... <laughs> You can't dance because you're a boy. Or, uh, no, you can't go into construction because you're a girl. Mm -hmm. There's no invisible wall that's stopping you unless uh, the door is locked. You don't, in other words, the locked door is the lack of skill. But you can go acquire that, that skill by finding the key. Sure. Optimistic. Mm -hmm. Or an invisible wall. Could be uh, a metaphor for... Uh, your own psychological inhibitions. Oh, good one. Hmm. Any other thoughts? Um, here's one that I have. You can solve difficult problems by thinking like somebody else. That's something that I've learned from adventure games. Mm -hmm. So the best adventure games I find are ones where you play as a character and you're supposed to think like that character in order to get through the world. So, um, oh, I, I know I had examples for this, and I'm kind of Techno I'm kind Babylon. Of on it. You're uh, Regis, and you have to open a door. You can either ask your, your you can either ask uh, Max, or you can take your taser and blast the door open. Mm -hmm. Like, and thinking like him means being a bit of a luddite and and uh, just zapping a door, for example. Yeah, that's right. While somebody else is pressing the door open button, he might just grab the door and push it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's true. So this is something I think that can be applied to real life, that if you are having trouble coming up with an answer to a question that has to do with a, a situation that you're not familiar with, then just try to think about the people and the variables that belong in that situation and uh, see if that, uh, you know, tell yourself a little story or a little narrative about the thing that you're looking at and see whether that suggests your next course of action. Yeah. I'm hungry. I don't have any cooked food, but I have all these. I got to think like a cook. Mm -hmm. How would I make these? How would I cook this? Yeah. There you go. Um, 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 take a look at our list. Mm. I don't really have anything to say about the other two that we have on the list. Do you? Mm. Uh, this one. Not everything has to be logical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some adventure games are solved with the most inane combination of items, but it can be it can be applied to real life. How? Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. This is a good. Why the hell did I write this down? This is I obviously wrote this down for a reason. Um. Oh yes. Um, let's see. Your best way I, when I can think of is you're warm, and um, you got to find a way to cool off. So you don't have, and uh, the fan's not working, so you sit on an ice pack. I've done this, it works. That's not logical. Well, who the hell sits naked on an ice pack? Warm people? <laughs> I don't know, all I can think about in terms of not every solution being logical is that, you know, often you're troubleshooting a computer and you do something and then it suddenly works again mm -hmm. and you don't know why. So all you can do is live with it. Okay, yeah, that would be... That's all I can think of, really. Yeah, I think that was probably what I was thinking as well, was uh, computer solving. Mm-hmm. Or maybe uh, cobbling to, or maybe uh, cobbling together a uh, means of keeping something uh, tacked up like the uh, like our uh, beaded curtains in front of our kitchen. I was originally trying to use screws and uh, use the uh, proper means of hanging them up and even super glue. In the end, I wound up using packing tape to keep the glue in place. <laughs> you taped the glue? <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you never noticed the packing tape up there? Oh, I did. <laughs> I've never taken it down because after it fell, when I removed the packing tape, I realized I had to leave it up there. And it doesn't make any sense. You'd think that the glue would have been held, would have been enough since one of the, one of the apparatuses stayed up with glue. Right. Yeah, yeah. Pretty strange. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. We're, we're kind of whiffing now. Are we done? <laughs> I think so, too. I'm exhausted from all the chirping. Oh, I mean, there's now no chirp they shut up. I know. They shut up now. <laughs> I'm exhausted by my own chirping, too. Why don't we take it on home? Uh, sure. But right. before we go, I just want to mention um, one thing I watched uh, yesterday. Phoenix mm -hmm. Wright. Remember? Okay. For those of you who probably heard us mention the name, Phoenix Wright is the name of a uh, trilogy of uh, DS games. And a bunch of games since then. Yeah, it's essentially a kinetic or a kinetic visual novel for the DS, where you're picking up a bunch of items in order to ultimately solve a court case. A kinetic visual novel. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I've never heard that term. Ah, uh, some visual novels are fluid, where you where your choices are will set set you down different paths. For kinetic, is uh, like one straight path. It is. Yeah. Okay. Like there's no. Uh, alternative solution to the ending other than whatever is prescribed in the uh, deep by the by uh by the developers and the story writers okay all right so anyways 
there's, it's been made into an anime. And unfortunately, they didn't make it different. It's the exact same story, just told in an animated form. Yeah. I lost interest halfway through the first episode. Maybe they start to talk about things that are not already stated in the games, but it's like they've vastly summarized the first episode of the game, mm -hmm. which usually takes several hours. They summarize it into 20 minutes, and it wasn't interesting in any way. Yeah, it wasn't satisfying. But the only thing that they did differently was they showed they showed uh, Phoenix Wright in his apartment. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And it's full of a bunch of crap, and uh, he rides a bike to the courthouse. That's all they did different. Oh, whoopee. He seemed way too sure of himself, too, mm -hmm. which is not at all his character. He's, like, always second-guessing himself mm -hmm. in, the, in the games. He, like, barely squeaks by. It's, like, miraculous that he solves puzzles, and that's sort of his thing. He is a little more sure of himself in the end, in uh, the end, at the end of the third game. But in the first one, he's little, he's way less sure of himself in the first ones. Yeah, so that was a very big disappointment. I've been waiting for that anime for a long time, mm -hmm. and I have no hope for it now. Yeah, me too. I have no hope for it. But for some reason, a bunch of people love it, and I think that they're the they haven't really played the game that much. Maybe. Yeah. So I actually left a review saying that if you played the games, you might be disappointed. Yeah, I would say so. The games are way funnier and way more interesting. Mm -hmm. Way more depth and just... Yeah, they didn't do anything different, which was the uh, biggest disappointment of all. Yeah, it's pointless watching it. Totally pointless. Whatever. Mm -hmm. That's how you end your, your podcast on a down note. <laughs> all right. So? So, why don't you take us out today? Ooh. All right, thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you, Trolls, for your voicemail and for your tweets, and uh, to Anton as well for his uh, thought-provoking uh, comments that uh, we discussed. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to hear from you always. You can reach us on the web, squarefm.demodulated.com, by email, squarefm at demodulated.com, and on Twitter, we are at squarewavesfm. So catch us on there, and catch us on Mitomo. I'm sure it'll hold our interest for another day or so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe more. I don't know. Maybe. All right. And sorry for all the squawking. Fuck. Thank goodness we're only baby... What are, how long are we babysitting those brats for? Till tomorrow? Tuesday. Oh, goody. <laughs> Whew. All right. Love you guys. Thanks a lot for listening. And we'll uh, talk to you soon. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beep. Beep.